Welcome to the third episode of Vista Mall 2017 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors, where the fun never stops. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me as always is a Canadian who frequently rings people to ask if they're afraid of the dark from a Burger King, Logan Saunders. Good afternoon. And also joining us today is our good friend, the guy who always offers to get wood when he's on a beach in the dark, David Bindley. G'day. Is that your new catchphrase? Are you finally deciding on that now? Are you just going full Australia? No. But I, I figure if I say three times, then people are going to assume I'm, I've watched Drag Race Down Under, and I haven't. Ah, okay. And did you enjoy the third episode, Saunders? Yeah, my, I would say so. One of my top suspects went home, so that's, again, so that's always a pleasant surprise. I think it's probably the the episode of the three I liked the least so far. Because nothing over the top crazy happens? Yeah, it's the first one where I kind of struggled to think of intros and struggled to think of banners, and it was just a very, very standard episode, really. Well, no one gets whisked away to Vegas for 24 hours this time. Have you chosen the banner yet? Uh, I have chosen the banner yet, but I am open to changing my mind if you guys have any input. Thomas on the bed. Thomas on the bed's a good choice. Uh, the current favourite is Emanuela in the sand dunes just with a what-the-fuck expression to Joachim. Yep. Because that did make me laugh a lot. I mean, to, to be fair, just watching Joachim just leaves you with the what-the-fuck expression for, you know, nine weeks or however long he's in the season. Yeah. They just kind of film it so brilliantly because she's so far away from the camera and all you can see is just her doing a shrug at Joachim's existence. And I feel like that's just a perfect encapsulation of him after three episodes. Just, eh, whatever. So previously, Emanuela cemented her place in the annals of history with a brilliant performance in the theme park laser game. Your own disappeared like we wish you would, alongside Roos and Diedrich, who then had to convince the group that what they had been doing for the past 24 hours was real. Roos was accused of being a traitor, but it was actually Diedrich earning him an exemption. At the execution, it was a tie, but Ivana's gamble of going straight to hit Costa as she was the second person sent home. And nobody even remembers she exists now. They've left Portland now that Ivana has gone and headed to the Pacific Coast for the first bit of this episode, at least. Now they're actually together, they can work as a team, even with a mole being there. However, we begin on day five in Portland. And uh, I think it's the first time where just multiple things get blatantly stolen by the other contestants. <laughs> yeah, I do wonder whether a rule was put in after this, because there is a whole load of stealing in this episode, and then not a lot for the rest of the series, I don't think. I don't think there's any outright stealing of people's possessions after, well, really, after this episode. Well, granted, I don't know what happens the rest of this season, so I guess I can only comment and say the rest of the series, it doesn't happen at all, but... There had to be a rule made here that you just can't steal people's stuff. <laughs> yeah, I know we saw this with Georgia as well. I don't understand why anyone would carry their questionnaire around. Yeah, because Thomas had his all printed out, right? Yeah, and in the Final Four episode of Georgia, Olche gives hers to Yan and says, can I have yours? So it feels like it's something that they all bring with them, but I don't see what the benefit of them all bringing it with them would be. The only thing I can think of is maybe they've got it with them to have a list of the questions. Like, not so much the answers, but if they've got all the questions there, then they know what to ask the other people, because those are the questions that are used on the test. Yeah, but also if you're not the mole, then there's absolutely no benefit to you carrying your answers around for someone else to find and try and exclude you with. So is this group just the most competitive group they've had to the point that they realized after this season, okay, 
people are willing to steal other people's stuff for information, let's let's make rule that you can't do that. <laughs> I think any group with Emanuela in is going to be competitive. Just like any group with Dolce in is going to be competitive. I'm not sure whether they're the most competitive ever, but I think there's potentially an argument for it. What's uh, what's amusing is that you think, oh man, most almost everybody in the Netherlands can speak fluent English, and here the word that stumps Yakum out of any word in the English language is toucan. You couldn't think of the word toucan. I, I love how he tells the lady what it's called in Holland, and the lady gives him the what the fuck look as well. <laughs> yeah. Like, she doesn't care. This is the point where I think everyone who meets Yakum just goes, what the fuck, Yakum? Yoakum doesn't get that much respect from the other contestants uh, this episode either. Not just the respect of not having his stuff stolen, but anytime he opens his mouth about a challenge, everyone just says, what are you doing, Yoakum? You are not... We do not associate you with Mickey Mouse. Did you go to Disneyland? What, what, What gives, man? You have to think the first introduction we had to him was basically, I'm Joachim, I'm completely and utterly useless at everything to do with this game, I'm an idiot. And everyone kind of agrees after pretty much two episodes here. Yeah, in 21, 22 seasons of this show, Joachim is probably the person least suited to being on the mall. And this this is a show that had Olche on it. Olche is suited to the show. She's just suited to trying to win as much money on the show as possible. Okay, uh, Cecile Narinx. How about that? I can accept Cecile. Joachim is definitely up there in terms of the most useless people ever to be on the mole. I can't think of anything positive he's done in the first three episodes, being honest. I know, I think I told you the story during one of the Georgia podcasts. There was an interview with the Australian producer... And she basically said someone got all the way through right to the end of the game, and then after they got eliminated, they got asked who they thought the mole was, and they were like, me, because they didn't understand the game. Uh, I feel like Joachim is that, except, you know, with 20 years of experience. Yeah. Joachim is the closest to that person you can get two episodes into the season, just going, I could be the mole and not know about it. Do you think that when Joachim's mole book reappeared, he, uh, he turned to the camera and went, two can play that game? No, I think he was telling the camera um, what his notes say in in, uh, in English and in Dutch. So it is day five in Portland. Joachim's lost his mole book at breakfast, and the last time he saw it, Sigrid had it. She says she's got the key to Diedrich and Thomas's room, so I was just going to search the luggage to see if they've got it. She ends up finding something much more important, though, which is Thomas's question list. Can you find if, if something has been stolen from me? Sure, I'm going to go look, and while I'm doing that, I'm going to steal something somebody else's stuff. Well, she takes it even though she doesn't suspect him. Then we get an entirely wordless scene of Emanuela looking at her bag, grabbing it out, grinning at the camera, and then just lying on the bed. I had completely forgotten that Joachim's mole book gets stolen. I'd completely forgotten that Emanuela, of all people, steals the mole book. <laughs> if you were in Sigrid's position here, how would you play it with stealing Thomas's entire questionnaire? Write everything down and then give it back. Yeah, that's what you do. Yeah, you just write everything down instead of the highly uncomfortable situation of Thomas doing a group interrogation at breakfast and then you have to do your best to (laughs) just be as quiet as humanly possible and hope nobody notices how quiet you're being. (laughs) 
Yeah, I feel like you immediately rush back to your room and write everything down in your mole book that Thomas has written down completely. And then you take it back before he notices it's gone. Or slide it under the door. And tag it with a picture of Mickey Mouse so he thinks that Yakum stole it. But it could also be a bear. But yeah, Emanuela of all people being responsible for this blows my mind, because we knew she was competitive, especially from the last two episodes. We went into great detail about how brilliant Emanuela is in, in that laser game. We know she's competitive, but of all the people in this season to have taken the mole book, I don't think I would have put Emanuela anywhere near the top of that. I would have expected it from Sana. Yeah, from Sana. Or Roos. Yeah, or Roos. Or Sigrid, actually. Sigrid probably would do this and then feel really remorseful about it. I wouldn't expect it from Emanuela. I definitely wouldn't expect it from Euroan because that requires forward thinking, and that's not something, as as we well know from Renaissance, that Euroan's very good at. He would have started sweating at the breakfast interrogation, be like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to randomly blurt some words out. Euroan would have stolen it, then got a post-it note, wrote his own name on it, and then handed it back to Thomas in front of everyone. <laughs> Can we still be friends? Or, or be like, kind of be like O.J. Simpson and write a book called If I Did It or If I Stole It and then slide it back under the, the door and just have it be a hi- completely hypothetical story about how he would have stolen Thomas's questionnaire or Yakum's mole book. So the episode title is End of Story, and sadly we do have to speak about your own again because he's so happy to be driving through the real America. Take that, Portland, you fake America. I never want to go back to Portland, apart from at the end of this episode. And they are driving to Manzanita, a small town on the Pacific coast. Jochen tries to find out if anyone has a problem at the moment. He has some money from the first two challenges last episode, so they combine the pots. As Diedrich had the other part, they decide to elect a female treasurer, and elect Roos, who wants to have a look at the notes to see if there is a clue to the mole's identity. And that isn't as ludicrous as you would think, because that was basically the major twist of 2016 season, was that if you combine enough of the notes, it has a pixel art of the mole's face. Sadly, by the time anyone did that, everyone kind of knew who it was already. And Art says on the dunes of Nahalem, they will be running a relay race. They get 500 euros for the straight route to the finish, but if they make detours, they can find a lot of money. One person will be the coach, keeping them on pace. If they hand in a half note, it will turn into minus money. And they elect Diedrich as the coach, and they got 15 minutes, and there's up to 3,000 euros available. You know who I want to be the coach? The guy who just lied to everybody for an exemption convincingly? The thing is, everyone just trusts Diedrich straight away. They don't begrudge him for being competitive, for better or for worse. And Euroan is given the easy job, which is the first one. Roos then takes the side paths as Euroan gives her the extra time. She also finds an instruction card, pointing her to half note, 500 euros being just down the dune, and takes that anyway, claiming that it is another half 500 euro note. Sigrid is third. She realises that Roos was announcing all the instruction cards that she found as well. And then between the third and fourth rounds, Sana starts interrogating Diedrich on things that they'd already discussed, like which signs to go for, do I run everywhere? How much is this challenge worth? Do I really need to get sand everywhere? How far away is it from Portland? Why did they introduce this fairly standard challenge with like a big, huge, banging drums? This is a very basic challenge for them to do, I have to say. Even in this era of Vidim, it's a very flat challenge 
Well, that's that's a lie because they're on dunes, Michael. They go up and down repeatedly during this challenge. It's anything but flat. Yeah, I think the problem is the coach thing makes no sense, but the challenge kind of sucks without it because it's, it's basically just sort of run over there reasonably fast. It's, it's not even really that easy to sabotage. Do you think that they put this challenge in in case the group exemption happened? I, I do think they wanted a challenge where they basically let the team get some free money. And then they still managed to mess it up here, though. Yeah, because there's there's not that much money in the first episode. They don't win much in the second episode. There's a little bit of money here, and then there's stuff later on in the season where money goes bye-bye. Yeah, the, there is quite an infamous challenge coming fairly soon. Yeah. One that I think... One that I seem to remember split the audience. What's funny is that this is this is such a such a straightforward challenge, but yet somehow the contestants don't understand how this challenge works for the most part, and only get about a hundred and thirty euros worth. That's the thing; they do manage to bring one thousand one hundred thirty euros to the end, but someone took half a thousand euro note. Which basically wipes out their entire profit here. It's one of the smallest uh, smallest net gains at the end of a challenge. I think Renaissance had like a challenge where they earned, what was it, like 30 euros or something by the end? <laughs> Wasn't that the entire season? I think China had one that was 10 euros. The truck escape rooms. That's right. <laughs> here, everyone go have lunch at a, uh, with, at a, at a street food cart. So Sana is fourth and matches the two half 500 euro notes. She also takes an instructional card, despite Diedrich telling her not to. Emmanuel is fifth, with seven minutes left to go. Joachim's sixth with four minutes to go. He starts running right past the blue mole where there is money, and we do get Emmanuela shrugging, going, what the fuck, Joachim? He collects a half thousand euro note. And then Thomas is last. They decide to just send him to complete notes and not find any more halves. Where would you want to be if you were mole? in this challenge. I guess if I was the mole, I'd want to be somewhere in the middle where I know I'd have to talk with the... So I wouldn't want to be at the very start or at the very end. I want to have to be... I want to be able to communicate with as many people as possible. But, and I feel like being the coach would be too obvious of a position to be in. I can't remember exactly what the mole does in this challenge, but I think I know. But I feel like you'd want to be in a section where no one would be able to see you so you could mess with things. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather be at the start or the end for that reason. Yeah. I think it doesn't necessarily matter where you are in the order. It matters what the terrain of your section is. So you can just mess with people. I guess it would have been too obvious for one to wear straight-up camouflage to try and hide where they were. Because I think there were some bits to it where Diedrich couldn't see whoever was running. There's about three or four different sections over the, the seven parts where Diedrich couldn't see you. Yeah, well, yeah, there was even talk on the chatter on the walkie-talkie where he says, well, I can't see if you're at the right spot, but I know I can kind of see you running, but I don't know what you're doing. I, I love how we're talking about uh, camouflage and Thomas turned up in Waldo cosplay. Thomas's outfits in this episode were interesting, I have to say. He looked like something out of Greece at one point. Oh, I remember. So in the end, they didn't get very far because Thomas reaches the end within the time limit. Diedrich's confident that they earned a lot of money, they earned €1,130, Euros, but they took a half thousand euro note, 
meaning they earn 130 euros of 3,000 for the challenge, and Joachim does get blamed. To be fair, I th- I think Joachim should have been blamed. <laughs> I mean, he was the one who told Thomas, eh, don't bother finding the other half of this 1,000 euro note. I'm sure it'll be fine. Just like South Park urged us to blame Canada, for the rest of his episodes, it's essentially blame Joachim. Yeah, he deserved to have his more books stolen. <laughs> so at dinner, Thomas mentions his missing question list, and they agree as a group that luggage should be off limits from now on. Sigurd feels guilty, and Joachim's, as his mole book, did reappear miraculously. Is this the only time that they mention that everyone fills out a question list and takes it around with them? Well, like I said, we did get a a sighting of it with Olche and Jan swapping questions in the Final Four episode of Georgia. But I don't think there's been any reference to it since. I know they've had a few challenges over the years where they've basically tested you on what different people said on the questionnaires, but not. I don't think it's ever been a plot point before. Yeah, because it felt like almost like behind the scenes stuff because they were fully explaining it, saying, well, people fill out what they do during the episode and then it gets, and then they use, then producers use that for the test. They haven't, they haven't really outright explained that before. Depending on when it was actually filled out, you could in theory print off your own copy and make it wrong answers. Have a decoy question list for somebody else to steal? It wouldn't be the first time they've done something like that because there's one season in Australia where basically the mole got like a fake note from production basically saying, you know, they're onto you, do this. And then they left it somewhere for someone else to find, but it sort of hinted that the mole was a different person. And I think the player who found it got eliminated that week. I can't remember off the top of my head. Was that the was that the New Caledonia one, by any chance? Yes. So Art rings them from a Burger King by the look of things. He's looking for two people to go to a special location and says it's easier if they're not afraid of the dark. Emanuela says she wants to go, and they decide as a group it should be her and Sigrid. And Sana jokingly threatens them that they better come back with some money. The even better thing is the fact we have no idea where they actually went. They were just kind of sequestered away from the other six. I think they went to Vegas. So the other six are driven to the beach at sunset. Art tells them they have five minutes to make as many portraits of the contestants as possible using driftwood, rakes, and anything else they find on the beach. For each correctly identified name, they will earn 500 euros for the pots. And believe me, they will know when the challenge begins. This is a really short challenge. Five minutes to draw pictures on the beach? I think they need more time than that. I feel like it took them way too long to come up with the idea, you know, hint at their jobs. Considering, you know, who was there. Like, you had Diedrich, who basically seems to know how to win every challenge. You had Thomas, who's really good at the challenges. Sana, who's a really strong game player. And then, you know, Yeroen or whatever. I feel like with all those, you know, really, really smart people and Yeroen, it took them way too long to come up with hint at their jobs, especially because this sort of thing has been a challenge before. Yeah, the fact of the matter is, Diedrich, for example, you can do so many options to Diedrich. You can have his glasses. You could have a test tube, given he's a science journalist. You could draw an atom. Yeah. It's not hard for someone like Diedrich. No. And then for people like your own, you could just leave the beach blank and call it a waste of space. Yeah. My next question was going to be, how would you portray your own? (laughs) <laughs> because at this point the turd emoji probably wasn't that popular you couldn't draw that yet you could ju- just draw a shrug work out how to draw the, the shrug emoji and that is your own 
<laughs> what would your symbol be? Well, if you're on the season, I assume they would just draw the UK flag. Yeah. I mean, it would depend who you were around. Mine would probably be a microphone or something similar if I went on as being podcast superstar from the UK. Logan's, assuming he wasn't on a season full of Canadians, would just be probably the Canadian flag. It would be easiest. And if there were Canadians, I assume people would just try to draw like a Jesus portrait on the on the sand. I love how you're both saying flags, and then they they did the Suriname flag for Emmanuel. And if no, like it makes sense in context, it still feels like they were doing that joke where, you know, the, like the Spice Girls are sporty, the sporty one, posh, the posh one, ginger, the ginger haired one, baby, the one who looks like a sexy baby, and scary, the one who is black. I feel like like the flag makes sense, but it's sort of weird to do it for the one person who's who uh, looks different. For the one person who is a racial minority in the whole cast. Yeah. What would your symbol be? I, I work in tourism, so probably something related to that, like a uh, steam train or whatever. You were draw anything tied to tourism, I don't know, Eiffel Tower or something? Yeah. And the only one who doesn't follow either job or physical appearance or their uh, ancestral roots is Yakum who decides he's going to draw Mickey Mouse because he's a parent. How do you do Yakum though? That's the thing. Draw a toucan. <laughs> I mean, drawing a toucan would have been absolute comedy gold and it would have made the whole book thing really pay off. But I don't know what, after sort of two and a bit episodes, I don't know what you would distill Yakum's personality down to. Well, he has a very distinct appearance, though. Like, he has, uh, he kind of looks like Kramer from Seinfeld, so just draw a guy with a huge forehead and a little bit of hair on the back half of his head. And especially as they don't really have an artist in the group. Like, if you did this in Czechia, for example, you'd just get Florentine to do them all. you just have everyone else kind of sit back and relax, and you get Florentine to do the, the eight portraits. But they don't really have anyone who's known for art in this this season. But yeah, I was surprised. Yeah, what would have been funnier though is when the fireworks start going off. If everyone's like, "Oh, there just happens to be fireworks today," and then the fireworks are finished, then then Art has to come over and say, um, "Guys, that meant you had to do the challenge. Now we timed it with the fireworks. It wasn't just by pure coincidence." Oh, oh, damn it! I guess there goes all of that money. I do wonder whether they got tips off that that was actually going to be what what they needed to care about. Or it was like, well, you'll know when this challenge starts. But it's like, well, it could have just been a random group of people just setting off fireworks. Could be a, We could have been here for Cinco de Mayo. We don't know. We don't live here, Art. Yeah. The fun never stops in Oregon. <laughs> so Art gives Emmanuel and Sigrid one minute to identify what they've seen. They get no more instructions than that. Their round's also lit by fireworks. And they only see the six that are in a group together. And we don't even see what Sigrid's was going to be. Hers is the only one they never mention, I think. Yeah, they never did, eh? No, I don't think they did. Do they even draw draw hers? Do they just say, ah, oh, nah, seven's enough? I'm assuming they did draw one for her, but nobody seems to know what it was. It's never mentioned that I'm aware of. They try to draw a face with a hat on top? Yeah, I don't know. Because it obviously wasn't an obvious one for her, because she thought that Thomas's comedy and tragedy masks were her. Or they just draw a question list for her? 
I would love it if these pitchers were really, really passive aggressive. So you get like <laughs> a toucan for Joachim, a pair of handcuffs for Emanuela for being a thief. Sigrid just gets a question list. I think that would make this challenge actually more interesting. Because let's be honest, only the final challenge of this episode is actually interesting. The first two are kind of, eh. I feel like this is the sort of challenge where the idea is strong, but it doesn't translate very well to television. This would be a good one for, you know, if you're playing them all with friends or whatever. I mean, obviously you wouldn't be able to afford the fireworks, but, you know, ignore that. I don't think they thought about how well this would look and how easy it would be to follow. I don't think that they thought about how it would look on TV, because fireworks, whilst they are very pretty, when the fireworks aren't on, it's just pitch black. It's not a very easy challenge to to pay attention to, just because you can't see it half the time. And it is so much harder to film at night. I remember uh, Alan Wu wrote that in his Mason Race Asia 2 blogs, where he, where he said, the reason why Mason Race rarely films at night is because it presents so many more technical and lighting challenges for the production crew, and that's why we rarely film at night during the season. And then this is one of those cases where it's like, yeah, it looks like they had a bit of a tough time capturing everything just because it was the middle of the night. Yeah. So they get five right, despite thinking that Joachim's was a bear and not Mickey Mouse, and they earn two and a half thousand or four thousand euros for the challenge. Is this one of the shortest challenges ever? The fact that it was a five minute timer to draw the pictures and then just one minute for for Sigrid and Emmanuel to run across the beach to associate all of the pictures? I can't think of a short one. I'm sure Bindles will correct me, but I can't think of one that is less than six minutes. I think maybe like the giant matchstick puzzle one was less than five minutes, but that's probably the only one I can think of. I mean, Bohemian Rhapsody, I think, is is longer than that challenge. If you can do your entire challenge during the interval act at Eurovision, it's too short. I do love how that is your kind of metric of time. Yeah. If it's shorter than Love, Love, Peace, Peace, then it is too short a challenge. Exactly. So Euroan proposes a bond with Sanna. Apparently they didn't have one until today. And Sanna immediately gets defensive when he asks if she is the mole. Because the first thing you should care about is whether you can actually trust each other. And Sanna really doesn't want to trust your own. She's just kind of saying yes to get a bond, not really caring that it's a bond with him. And I like how Sanna's like, can we define what this means? <laughs> this is just a bond on Vidum. It's not like a meaningful relationship or something <laughs> let's set boundaries zero and we're just we're just starting things out <laughs> you give me a bond safe word that's all i need right now we're still in separate beds so they wake up on day six in some cabins by the look of things thomas and diedrich also form a bond officially what diedrich doesn't know is that thomas suspects him because even an ally can be distrusted they return to portland for the final challenge of the episode and according to a car radio, it is May 22nd on day six. There's a shot of a police car at the start of this challenge. I'll say that that hits a lot differently in 2021 than it did in 2017. Especially in Portland, of all places. Yeah. So they are in pairs, split over four cars. The instructions come from art on a CD. Stuck to the outside of all the cars are driving instructions that they must all take as a group. They cannot open the windows or doors, and they cannot park and must follow traffic rules at all times. They also can't leave the city limits, which is bounded by Interstates 405 and 5 and the river. If they combine the information in their cars, they will earn up to €2,000 for the pot, and they've got an hour until half 10am. Sanna and Thomas are in car 1, Dijak and Roos in car 2, Sigrun and Euron in car 3, and Emanuela and Joachim in car 4. 
How would you play this as a contestant or a mole? Uh, as a contestant, get everyone into a car park and then just sort of drive around in circles until you have all the instructions. Because I feel like they're sort of wasting too much time going round and round on big laps of the streets. I'm not sure whether they were allowed to go in a car park. They weren't allowed to park. Yeah, that, it's an obvious loophole, but I don't know whether they were actually allowed to do it. I think car number five had Anne-Marie and Tracy from Amazing Race Australia 1 where they tried that strategy, and then they just never got out of the car park. So Roos suggests the quite logical answer, that they just all head to Fifth Avenue and try and find each other. Diedrich says that it's good that all American cities are logically laid out. Can agree, having driven in American cities. Joachim manages to lose everyone else on the walkie-talkie straight away. It's not even close. Yeah, it's like, what is it, eight or nine minutes before they're able to find each other? Something like that, but this is just absolute classic Joachim, where immediately he has no Eta Discipline. Hasn't learned from the previous season watching Ellie Loost promoting the Eta Discipline. This is the first real challenge of Eta Discipline in the entire season, and he immediately manages to lose everyone. It's quite impressive. I have a feeling, though, that production cocked up slightly with this, because in any other version of this sort of challenge, they would have given them mobile phones rather than walkie-talkies, because walkie-talkies only have a limited range. They would have given them phones in any other season, I think. Yeah, I guess they just wanted that extra layer of difficulty, knowing that they only had so far to to contact each other. Yeah, I think that was more why Jochen managed to lose the rest of them, rather than him just being really incompetent, even though he is. So Emanuele decides to put a foot down, which is the perks of being in a muscle car, and Thomas manages to drive in a bus lane, and ends up having to be told to swerve around. Did he technically break a rule then? Would they have been penalised if they did find the bookstore? I mean, there was no point penalising them since they really did awful with this challenge, so it's, they didn't really want to kick them all there down. But here it's like, hmm, would Thomas have been disqualified for just blatantly driving into the bus lane? I think he probably would have been disqualified for the second attempt. Because he did do it twice. I think they probably would have let him off on the first go, but on the second time of him driving into a bus lane, they probably would have gone, yeah, but you broke the rules there. So yeah, they all get separated at the traffic lights, and Thomas and Santa are the only ones who actually get through. Deidre and Bruce then manage to break the rules themselves by going on the interstate and have to turn around. And Sigrid basically takes control of the challenge and tries to grab all of the directions and give them out in order. They get all of the directions and have to find the start point now, which is the corner of 3rd Avenue Southwest and Jefferson. And they immediately set off and then get separated again. They rearrange and start working well, but Joachim is obsessed with the order of the cars being right. Sigurd mixes up the 10th and 11th instructions and realises with five minutes to go. And they think, seeing as though it's a Sunday, which this date actually was because I did check, they park up at a church. The time runs out and shockingly it was not the right place to go. Which art marks them with mercilessly. And that means they earn nothing of 2,000 euros for the challenge, 2,630 of 9,000 for the episode, and 6,830 of 18,750 for this season so far. I wish they would have just let them run barge into the church. It would have been very, very funny. Maybe they should have spent less time sending Take Me Home Country Roads in Dutch. That might have helped. <laughs> I, I don't recall there being a West Virginia in Holland. <laughs> it's not a West Virginia in Oregon. The irony is, of course, that this isn't the only time that we hear Diedrich sing on television, because he was in the second season of Dutch Mass Singer as the king. He dressed up as a giant chess piece. Uh. 
I thought even when he was the king that he dressed up as Elvis, which would have really fit in with <laughs> this season. No, he he genuinely did dress as a um, chess piece king and uh, sing twice on Dutch television. Was it checkmate? Did they say checkmate when he was eliminated or some stupid catchphrase like that? I'm not sure. He was actually the fifth person out of the season, which is a surprise given his voice. Well, to be fair, he couldn't move very far. So they actually had to find Powell's Books, the oldest independent bookstore in the world, and we do see them go past it quite a few times. It was in the B-roll at the start of this challenge. And insider over one million books, inside four of which they would have found money. And we have actually referenced the ending of this challenge in previous episodes, or I have at least, I know that. Because this is quite an infamous hint for the rest of the season. And the art shows them four books, one of which is Miss Mole. Yeah, I wrote the Miss Mole book down too, but I know you guys already know who the mole is and I don't, so I don't know if I should be commenting on that or not. Well, tell us what you think. Yeah, comment on it as much as you want, because I know what I thought at the time for this clue, because I spotted it. So, Miss Mole, I assume, means that, well, I assume either two things. A, Art is telling them they're all missing on who the mole is, or B, Miss Mole means that the mole is female. You are correct that they were the two interpretations at the time. I know which one of those I thought at the time, and I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) Put a pin in that, we will discuss it in the finale. But I like how they even zoomed in on the book too, so it's like the whole audience is going to be coming up with one of those two interpretations as well. I think I thought both of them at the time, and I can't remember like who I thought the mole was, but I think this changed my mind on who it was somehow. So, it is now time for the test. 20 questions on the identity and actions of the mole. Whoever knows least will go home, except for the mole who can never go home. And the test takes place at Peninsula Park. Sigurd says that the colour red will never feel good to her again after the the mole. She's been on Joachim for a while. He doesn't seem like a good fit, though, because he's kind of a vulnerable person. Which is such a backhanded compliment. You know, Joachim, you're not suspicious. You're just kind of vulnerable. You need an adult. He gets made fun of. Even Art makes fun of uh, Joachim in this episode, because when Emmanuel and Sigrid correctly match him with the Mickey Mouse slash bear picture, and they explain the reason, they're like, oh, well, because Joachim's a family man who's all cuddly and stuff and then Mark's like, you are correct it is Joachim, but for completely the wrong reasons <laughs> Joachim is going from three to two people, which is a gamble he does think he's on the right track though Thomas says he's spreading on Euroan, Sanna and Roos, and maybe a little bit on Diedrich. Sanna suspects Emanuela the most, as she didn't take the side path of the dunes Emanuela is on Joachim, Sanna and Euroan. Euroan hasn't done anything not just in the season, but generally just in life. <laughs> yeah, believe me, that's a frequent complaint. Euroan is on Diedrich. He says it's a gut feeling. Diedrich suspects Euroan. He's kind, but calculating, and keeps people at a distance. Roos says her heart is in her throat. She's not as relaxed as she should be. She doesn't trust anyone but Emanuela, but she's not sure that she's on the right path. Art welcomes them to the Peninsula Park Rose Garden. They've been on the road for a week now, and so much has happened already. One person will get a red screen and the remaining seven will head to the Wild West. Thomas, Sanna, Diedrich, Joachim, and Emanuela all get green screens before Roos is sent home, and Emanuela cries. Crying is an understatement. She was bawling her eyes out. Given we're talking about how night challenges are hard to film, how do you feel about daytime executions? Because I, I feel like that's like the sort of thing you can do at night. 
and you know Belgium and Australia and the UK and the US and all that sort of stuff all basically all of the other countries usually do it at night because it's sort of like a visual shorthand for you know the end of somebody's journey but I feel like Wisdomol very rarely does night execution well they just love to jump into a challenge straight after somebody goes home they don't like to settle in that oh yeah by the way one of you just got eliminated <laughs> One of you just got eliminated here. We'll rest overnight and then we'll start a, We'll start anew tomorrow. It's like, nope, this person just went home. We have a really short filming schedule. Let's get started right away. Yeah, I think it is more of a filming schedule issue because they love compressing the filming schedule. The filming schedules get shorter and shorter and shorter to the point where I think Jackie was only about two weeks. So they absolutely have to start filming the next episode pretty much straight away to be able to fit it all in. But yeah, it does add atmosphere if they can actually do it in the evenings and sort of make it a bit moodier and stuff yeah and and then in this season they kill all the atmosphere with the music being completely ill suited to everything it's funny to see the dutch interpretation of what american music is viewed as (laughs) throughout the episodes well country music from what i understand is huge in the netherlands they basically got to a point you know i had to bring up eurovision again but they basically got to they got to a point where they were basically sending country songs every year for about five years in a row. And then basically the one year they didn't was the year they actually won. Because everyone outside of America hates country music. Yeah. What I found interesting too is that I had very, very few notes about the car challenge, even though the challenge was an hour long. And yet I had way more notes about the challenge that was only six minutes. Yeah. I I feel like the car one is... A very good, very classic sort of challenge, and probably the best one they've done in about three, four years at this point, aside from, you know, laser tag in the, in the theme park. But at the same time, it's kind of hard to really talk about because they don't get very far in the challenge. I feel like there'd be more to say about it if they actually got into the bookshop. It's one of the biggest failures, I think, of any Vidum challenge I can think of. They completely and utterly drop the bollock on it. They get maybe maybe halfway into this challenge with an hour, and they still don't actually complete it. Yeah, it wasn't really so much production's fault. It was just that the eight people could not work together whatsoever. Because they had all the clues and everything, but then Joachim kept... He was mixing up the two clues, and then Sigrid said, Church, 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 it's a church. we got to go into a church. And then, yeah, the fact that they don't even get to the second half of the challenge, because it sounds like that they were probably going to get in, get to the bookstore within 40 minutes, I assume they were estimating, because it's not even until they get inside that they open up the envelopes and figure out what books they need to retrieve inside the massive library. So I'm going to guess it was meant to be like half of it, a little over half the time is spent on the road, and then the last third of the challenge is spent inside the bookstore. But... They don't even get to the bookstore, so it's like, oh, well, this is going to be a tough challenge to edit. It's just going to be people causing chaos on walkie-talkies and making zero progress after they have the clues written down. Something else that's really interesting here is the fact that we don't really see Roos's elimination through Roos's eyes. It's all through Manuela. We see basically nothing of Roos saying goodbye. It's just all Emanuela being really upset at Roos saying goodbye. It's a bit like Georgia, where every elimination is seen through the eyes of Olche Gulson. Well, yeah, that's because she's iconic. But the first two executions really are through those people's eyes. And then we get this third one with Roos, where 
she makes so little an impact on the season that we see everyone else's opinions of her and not necessarily her opinion about having to say goodbye. What was your favorite moment about the season, Ruse? Uh, being by myself in Las Vegas for 24 hours. I will say she's less of a waste of space than I remembered, but she's still overshadowed by basically everyone else in this cast except for Yaron. Yeah, in the first episode, I said I like her a lot less than I remembered liking her. She was just kind of there for episodes two and three. I don't really have an opinion on her after episodes two and three, but episode one, she's a little bit unlikable. She's unlikable in episode one. She disappears for two thirds of episode two, and then she's gone in episode three. So why do we care about her? She had a lot of suspicion on there, though, I would say, at the end of three episodes. Or at least she was high on my list. I don't know about your guys' list at the time. Especially after the courtroom debacle, where she pretended to lie for no reason at all. She was in my top three last week, I think. Yeah, she was my third last week. After this episode, I completely did not suspect her even before she got executed. So yeah, Emanuela wanted to completely trust one person and she chose Roos. So she's a bit sad and now has to come up with a new strategy. However, Roos going home is helpful for her because they were on exactly the same people and that then helps rule some people out for Emanuela. Roos is emotional herself, she's very disappointed, but had a lot of fun. End scene. So next time, Emanuela promises to rope someone, there is a very interesting livestock auction, and everyone plays with hay bales, like it's Amazing Race 6. I have things to say about that auction. (laughs) I think most people have things to say about that auction. Like, I wrote that list of all the mole challenges. I I came up the other day, there's over a thousand challenges in there. I think that's the one I had the most trouble writing up, trying to explain it. That bodes well for me trying to watch it and explain it next week. Yeah, good luck. Well, I can't wait to podcast about next episode. (laughs) I'd like to apologize in advance. So, Mr. Saunders, what were your suspicions list this week? So, if I go from seventh to first, and dead last, I have Yeroen. For some reason, I don't think he's the mole. Number six is Yakum. I just think he's trying too hard. And for, for the first two episodes, he was trying too hard to be the mole. And then this episode, he, he comes off as either A, super duper incompetent, or, or B, just completely mocked by everybody else in the cast, including the host. (laughs) Uh, Number five, I have Emanuela. I just can't believe somebody with that personality could end up being the mole. Number four is Sana, because I cannot get a read on her. Number three is Dietrich. I think he said the biggest jump of anybody in my suspect list so far. Just a lot of molly things, but yet somehow was trusted by the group. That's odd. Uh, number two, I have Sigrid. I've always just found her suspicious in general with her behavior. And then this episode with just distracting everybody on the walkie-talkies and then telling them to go to the church for just because it was a Sunday. And number one is Thomas because he's so damn quiet. And my suspicions at the time, in reverse order, were Emanuela, then Joachim, then Yeroen, then Thomas, Sanna, Diedrich, and Sigrid. Oh, we have a fair amount of overlap. So yet again, we do have a fair amount of overlap. We've both got Diedrich and Sigrid in our top threes, and then I've got Sanna and you've got Thomas this week. And the top three on Bother's Bar at the time were in order, Joachim, Sigrid, and then Sanna and Thomas tied. You guys got anything else you want to say about this episode? Nope. No, I'm good. Cool. In that case, thank you for listening to our Vista Mall 2017 recap. We'll be back next week to continue the hunt for another old mole in Oregon.
Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram where we are RCV Warriors, or you can email us and contact at rcvwarriors.com. Logan is on Twitter at logspagraki, Bindles is a grim recapper, and I am MJ Harmstone. Thank you as always to Marika for the subtitles, and we will see you next week. Peace out and just chill till the next flavoring. Shit, I was supposed to think of a catchphrase, wasn't I? Yeah, I just hear birds chirping. That's good enough for me. <laughs>